0: Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Today, as we continue our series on covenants, the first covenant we're going to look at and explore a little bit is the Edemic Covenant. This was, of course, the covenant that God made with Adam and thus with all men. Because that all men come from Adam and this was a generational agreement so that this covenant is one that is applicable to everyone. We began to read of it in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 where it says and God blessed them speaking of Adam and Eve and God said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which the fruit of the tree yields seed for to you it shall be for meat. And in this do we see that from the very beginning of creation, God blessed us. He blessed Adam and Eve, therefore were all of their descendants inherently blessed. He gave them their role in this partnership. They were to be fruitful and multiply. They were to subdue the earth. They were to have dominion over the land, the animals, and the plants. They were to tend his garden for him. They were to have fellowship with him. So yes, from the beginning, Adam and Eve had roles to fulfill. They had jobs. They had purpose. It's part of their training as sons and daughters in the kingdom. But it was not toilsome. It was actually a pleasant thing. Yet when we jump ahead to Genesis chapter 2 verse 16, we see a condition in this creation covenant. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree in the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die and so we see here that from the beginning because that they were in covenant in partnership in agreement with God they were blessed we see now that we look at the condition that if they break covenant, the natural reaction or consequences of it would be that they would no longer be blessed, which leaves only one alternative, a cursing. Not that God is cursing them, but let's face it, if we are not in God's blessing, that alone is a cursing. We are not receiving the outpouring of his provision, his protection. We are at the mercy of the wiles of the wilderness and pray to the accuser of the brethren and so as we know adam and eve did not obey the condition they broke agreement with god and came into agreement with the serpent in the garden when the serpent began to speak against the words of god they chose to have faith in his words instead and so then they break the covenant or the contract and they sign with their voice and their agreement and their faith this new covenant and are now in partnership to the enemy, to the serpent, because God says clearly in scripture, can two walk together unless they agree? And of course, this is marriage language, that two cannot be together in partnership or in covenant. They cannot walk together unless they agree. They're not in agreement. They fail to maintain their part of the covenant, but that wasn't really the major issue here. The major issue was that they lost faith in their spiritual. Husband, they didn't believe what he had to say to them, and they listened to the voice of another. So they broke their covenant. They lost their blessing, their provision, and their protection. And they chose to be in covenant with Satan instead because that they had more faith in what he said. And so from early on in creation, things shift. So now God has to make some new promises because he surely still loves them, but he is also just and has to work within the realms of the agreements so the first thing he does is he deals with the serpent because the serpent is where god places fault god understands that adam and eve were deceived and we see this beautiful picture played out throughout the scriptures that god truly understands that it is the serpent this evil spirit That has polluted, corrupted, and manipulated the relationship between man and God. And it is him that he wants to punish and not them. He wants to redeem them back out of this messed up agreement that they have made with the enemy. And get them back in right standing and relationship and covenant with him. This is the picture that God painted whenever the Israelites began to listen to the enemy in their ear. And murmur against God and against Moses and despised the manna, which represents the words of God, that he had spoken to them. And because of it, the serpents came in and bit them and they began to die of a plague. And God told Moses to make a brass serpent and raise it up on this pole that they might look upon it And be healed. What God was really trying to do was show them that it was the sin within the serpent that He wanted to kill and not them that they might have faith in His love for them. That what He really wanted was redemption, that He wasn't out to hurt them, but that the consequences of sin are death. But He had a plan to redeem us from it. This is what Jesus did at Calvary when He took our sin upon Him and was lifted up on that pole that when we looked on him, we might believe how much God loves us and wants to be in partnership again. How he wants to rid us of the sin that separates us. And ultimately, all we have to do is break agreement with the lies of the enemy. Having faith because of what Jesus did for us, That God really does love us and wants us. He wants to restore the relationship, the partnership. The second Adam fixed what the first Adam missed. And because of it, our guilt and our shame and the curse is lifted. You see, Adam and Eve didn't know good and evil before this. They only knew good. They only had faith and love and confidence in their role in the partnership. But once they sinned, once they failed, then they knew what it was to have guilt and the weight of condemnation that they had messed up and they hid from God in the garden. And it's that condemnation that the enemy keeps building in our ear that keeps us from repenting and growing and getting back in alignment and agreement with God and the covenant and the partnership and fulfilling our part in it and pressing on. God understands our frailty. He knows our frame that we are but dust and he is willing to teach and instruct us. But we've got to be willing to trust him, trust in his love for us, trust in his wisdom. Trust in his leading. We got to get back on the straight and the narrow and keep following after Jesus. So the serpent was cursed. And because the serpent was among the animal kingdom, all animals fall under this curse. God said that violence would enter the world. Death would enter the world. Remember that none of this existed before. There were no carnivores before this. But yet was the snake cursed above all animals, the scripture says, so that he had to crawl on his belly and eat the dust. Now God will come in the end to restore creation and when he does, this curse will be lifted off of all of the animals during the millennial reign. However, the serpent's curse is not lifted. His curse remains. In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 25, it says this about the millennial reign of Christ. After his return, it says that in this time period, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. This means that there will be no more carnivorous creatures, meat-eating creatures. All will go back to being herbivores and peaceful, living together in harmony just like it was In the beginning of creation before this curse entered into the animal kingdom it says the wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock and the dust shall be the serpent's meat so we see that the curse is lifted off of every animal in the animal kingdom except for the serpent yet it says that of all creatures they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mount saith the Lord So now we jump ahead to chapter three, verse 16, and we see the consequences of sin, of breaking the agreement, the role in the partnership, because while God is merciful and so willing to forgive, because he is not a man that he can lie because of his justice and righteousness. Many times we do still have to walk out the consequences of our sins and wrongdoings of our unwillingness to believe and obey him. Of our faithlessness, because that God knows what is right and He cannot reward rebellion. Because sin, my friend, is always selfish and it hurts us and others in the process, so that God in His righteousness and goodness cannot ever endorse it. So Adam and Eve had to pay a penalty for it. We see that He says unto the woman, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And in this we see that what God had given them in the first commission, telling them to be fruitful and multiply to subdue the land that because they polluted their role in the partnership, so was polluted the output or the fruit of what they were called to do. God had given them good fruit and told them to partake of it, but the enemy had tempted them with bad fruit. And when they trusted that, it also polluted the fruit that they produced. Eve would have to labor in producing children, and Adam would have to labor and producing the fruit of the field. From Eve would come forth some good children, and some bad. And from Adam's field would come forth some good fruit, but also thistles and thorns. A mixture had come in, a bad seed, some lies of the enemy. Where God had spoken truth, that would bless for generations, the enemy had spoken error, that would cause hardship, for generations. Just like the parable that Jesus gave us about the master that sowed good seed in his seal, but then his adversary came in and planted weeds. But the master loved his crops so much that he didn't want to see it destroyed by uprooting it with the wicked. So he said, let it grow until the time of harvest and then we'll separate it. So God in his goodness had created everything perfect, but then the enemy steps in and man chose to come into agreement with him and allowed this seed of wickedness, this error, to slip in generationally so that even in the same breath that God gives them the consequences of them trusting in their own intellect, in their pride puffed up by this serpent. Does he give them the way of escape that he has already set in motion? To get them out of it. So great is his love for his creation. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 we read. What he speaks to the serpent in the tree. He said I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. And thou shall bruise his heel. This is the first messianic prophecy in the scripture. What is the seed of the serpent? Those who receive his lies. The seed is his spirit, his lies, his words. It is the sinners. It is Antichrist. What is the woman's seed? It is Jesus and those who receive him, the saints of God. The serpent shall bruise his heel. There would be a wound struck to Jesus. And in like manner will this enemy seek after even his followers. But his heel will bruise the serpent's head. God will put this enemy under the feet of the seed of Eve, which is Jesus and those who receive of him and his Holy Spirit. And believe me, my friends, Satan understood this judgment and the consequences of it yet in his pride he still tried to outsmart God. You see Jesus came of a virgin birth. He was born of this woman this second Adam that came into the earth. Satan understood this and we see in Genesis 6 that the enemy comes in and tries to corrupt the seed of the woman. He pollutes it trying to prevent this prophecy from coming to fruition. Now, we're not going to get too much into this teaching right now, but we have to understand that Satan was fighting his judgment. How much pride does he have? This should give us an understanding of the depths of his pride and the insanity of his logic and why we should never be so crazy as to obey him and think it's going to work out for us. He was fighting the covenant, but he can't fight it, because this one was unconditional. There is no changing it. There was no way of escape given for it, though he tried to make one through his own intellect. But my friend, as we now know, 2,000 years on the other side of the victory that he failed, God's words prevailed, and in the end, he'll be cast into hell. And all those who choose to remain in covenant with him in agreement, obedient to the leading of his unholy spirit. Now, it's interesting to note that though violence was brought into the animal world, that God did not change man's diet. In fact, part of Adam's curse was that he would now toil in his work in the garden growing these herbs and trees. Man was not created to eat meat. Though he would now have a harder job subduing the land and fulfilling his role in this covenant, he was still expected to do his best at it. Now we understand that because the seed was corrupted that there were those who tried to follow after God's commandments and those who did not. So I can assure you that all men abstained from eating flesh at this time period, and they probably didn't, but the godly did. We know this because God did not give the okay for his servants to eat meat until after the flood of Noah, but we'll get into that more when we cover the Noahic covenant. But there is no record in scripture of any godly man eating meat prior to the flood. They were capped for their dairy products, for wool and sacrificial purposes and they were kept also to assist in subduing the land there was a partnership between man and beast it was meant to help them to understand their partnership with god that they are cooperating in the commission in subduing the land that they had been given Prior to the flood, I believe that very likely even the animals were being mistreated because the Bible says that every imagination of man's heart was wicked continually. God desires the best for all of his creation. He desires love, mercy, and compassion in every situation. This was part of the purpose of the flood coming in to get rid of this great wickedness, the pain, the hurt, and the destruction being caused by such great selfishness. And so next, we'll look at the Noahic Covenant. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com